This is Psalms to God, Season 2, Episode 1. Which God do you serve? You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstoguide.com slash whichgod. Therefore, fear Yahweh and worship him in sincerity and in truth. Get rid of the gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship Yahweh. But if it doesn't please you to worship Yahweh, choose for yourselves today the one you will worship. The gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. As for me and my family, we will worship Yahweh. Joshua chapter 24 verses 14 and 15. Welcome back to the Psalms to God podcast. I'm super excited for season two. For those who were here in season one, welcome back. For those who are new, welcome for the first time. Um, I am Sheree, the host of the podcast, and I'm really excited to talk to you guys this season. We're going to be focusing on precision of language. Um, Before I jump in, like I said, for the new people, if you want to follow me on social media, um, my Instagram is Sheree.Hughes. I'm not on Twitter, so that's kind of out. Sorry, guys. But um, you can follow me on Instagram. Also, the website for the podcast and for my blog is www.psalmstoguide.com. I hope you'll check that out as well. So like I said, we're going to be talking about precision of language this season. And I'm really excited about this season because this was kind of more of the first thought that I had when I decided to do the podcast. Um, But I thought that it was jumping in too fast. Like I felt like other things needed to be talked about and explained before we jumped into these topics. Because you have to have a foundation before you start climbing up you know, like if you want to climb a mountain, you have to put on the harness and things first to make sure you can get up there. So that's why we did Fruit of the Spirit first to kind of lay a foundation for who God is and what God's character looks like. The reason I want to do precision of language is because I feel like people say things and we think we know what they're talking about. We think we know what we're talking about, but a lot of things get lost in translation. Um, I have a lot of friends who have a lot of different worldviews than I do, and when I talk to them, things just come out differently. Um, Whether it's you've said something and they took it some way that you didn't intend to, um, or whether it is that you're saying something and the, the connotation they have for the word is different for the connotation that you have. Or even sometimes, I'm not going to lie, sometimes we use words inappropriately. We think we know the definition of the word, but we actually don't. And we're using the word in the wrong way or in the wrong sentence. And 
when we have these conversations, it makes them messy. Sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes people, you know, are looking at you weird or they are pushing back and you end up in kind of a debate about it. And it becomes apparent that the other person um, doesn't see the word the way that you do or doesn't understand the phrase the same way that you do. But a lot of times it goes by unnoticed and you have either offended somebody unintentionally or they have offended you unintentionally um, or you just have confusion. Like they think that you think something other than what you actually think. And there's a lot of other things that go into this whole communication problem. But today I want to talk about the precision of language, particularly with respect to the word God. So God is not a name. It's contrary to popular belief. We all, we have a tendency of just being like God. And then we will capitalize the G to refer to um, our God. (laughs) And then we will lowercase the G to refer to pagan gods. And then we say that that's sufficient. However, the word God is extremely generic and it's it's more so a, um, a position or a, an office than it is, or, or maybe even like a title, than it is a person. And even when we capitalize the G, technically from a linguistic standpoint, it just means that it's a monotheistic God. So people who also believe in a monotheistic God, but not necessarily the God of the Bible, can also capitalize the G and use it in the same way. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're talking about Yahweh or Jehovah or however you want to call the name of the God of Abraham, the God of the Bible. And it's increasingly interesting um, in the U.S. because, you know, when I was growing up, I grew up in a pretty small town. Probably 90% of the people I knew, 99 maybe even, um, were Christian. So yeah, when you say God, they automatically assume that you mean the God of the Bible. Now, we'll get into that deeper as the season goes on, but in general, yeah, when I would say God growing up, that's what people would believe. And that's probably also how I got into the habit of it. But as I went off to college and as I have grown up and now I live in South Florida where it's extremely diverse, people have various different religions and various different beliefs. And when you say God, it's very ambiguous. People throw around the word God very, very lightly. And no one knows who anyone is talking about. Um, Because despite the movement to push that we're all, you know, working towards the same thing and we all are worshiping the same God, we are not all worshiping the same God. So I want to read some definitions and then I want to go to a Bible verse to talk about this specific issue. So the actual definition of God from the dictionary is the being perfect in power, wisdom and goodness, who is worshiped as creator and ruler of the universe. Um, a being or object believed to have more than usual attributes and powers and to require human worship, specifically one controlling a particular aspect or part of reality, a person or thing of supreme value, or a powerful ruler. Contrarily, we also have the words idol and deity, which almost mean the exact same things. It's just that the connotation 
of idol and deity are such that we think of them as something else. So for instance, idol, we always think of idol in a negative light because of the the biblical language. So we know that an idol is a false um, a false God. And that's even part of the definition. One of the definitions is a false conception. And so um, it is technically a false God. But of course, you have to know what a real God is before you can define a false God. And then with deity, um, it generally means, you know, a supreme being, divinity, a God, um, one exalted or revered as a supreme good or powerful And I hear the word deity a lot when you're talking in general senses, um, particularly when I took religion classes and they're talking about broad religion and stuff. And they'll be like the deity of this religion. Um, It's kind of, I guess, more polite to call somebody else's God a deity as opposed to calling them an idol, Um, which I'm not going to get into that topic right now either. But... um, (laughs) Generally, in a religion class, because they're teaching about different religions and different things, they will refer to, you know, those gods as deities. And it, it because of the connotation of the word, I think people have an easier time saying, oh, they're deity than saying they're God, because we associate the word God with our God, even though it's not his name. And it's really not, um, it's not a precise word. That's what I'll say. So to help us think of how we're using the word God and why it's so ambiguous, think of the word God the way you think of the word mom. Most of us call our mom, mom or mama or some form of mom. I don't know if you've ever been in the store. This has happened to me. And there's like this little kid and they're kind of running around and they trip, fall, whatever, and they call out for their mother. And so they're like, mom. And like five different women will turn around and look at the kid and then process that it's not their kid and go back to their business. And the one woman who that is their kid will go to the child. It's kind of the same thing. We're just kind of yelling out the word God and it could refer to anybody. Um, the only way that you can identify which God you're talking about is if you start describing the attributes of your God or you name him by name. Now, even naming him by name, I still think it's important to look at the attributes um, because there are a lot of people uh, claiming to worship the God of the Bible and what they say doesn't necessarily align with biblical scripture. That's another reason why we went through the fruit of the spirit first to identify the character of God. So in the same scenario, when you're talking about the word mom, if I start describing my mom to you and you have a vision in your head of who my mom is, you think you know who my mom is. And I start telling you that my mom has dark hair and has dark eyes and is, you know, yay height and of yay stature and has this type of personality. And when I start describing her, these things don't match what you thought my mom looked like, then you will automatically know that who you thought was my mom is not my mom. And what you thought about my mom is not correct. It's the same concept. When we start talking about who our God is, um, it should be a lot easier for us to say like, okay, so you're not worshiping the same God that I am. We're not talking about the same being. We're not talking about the same authority. 
And one of my favorite examples in the Bible that does a really good job of being precise about who is being worshipped is in Joshua. So the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verses 14 and 15 say, Therefore, fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship the Lord. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves this day which will you worship, the gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible because it's powerful. And the reason it's powerful is because it's so precise. If you read the English translation, you will notice that Joshua refers to the God of Abraham as Lord. And it's not Lord lowercase, it's Lord um, small caps. And anytime you see Lord with small caps in an English Bible, it means that in the original Hebrew, God's name was there. So it said Yahweh or Yahweh, depending on your pronunciation of Hebrew. And that's the name that God actually gave to Moses. Many people think that it should be pronounced Yahweh. Um, modern pronouncers will say Jehovah. There's no J in Hebrew, but moving it into English, you know, people start kind of playing with letters, I guess. And that's where they come up with Jehovah. But however you choose to pronounce it, those four letters, Y-H-W-H, make up the name that God specifically gave Moses um, right before he went back into Egypt to take the Israelites out of bondage. And this is the name that God said, this is who I am. So when Joshua is talking to the people and talking about whom they will serve, he refers to our God by name. But when he talks about the idols or the pagan gods, he uses this lowercase gods, this generic word for God. Um, And then he even still goes on to kind of specify which gods, because even using this generic form, you still have to specify, okay, the gods of Egypt or the gods of Greece or the gods of Rome or whatever. Um, so he does give, you know, identifiers of which gods he's talking about, but only then does he go into this generic term instead of naming them by name. I went back through the Bible and there are gods, there are, you know, idols, false gods that are given by name in the Bible. Um, I'll put some of them in the show notes for an example, but I just thought it was interesting that, you know, a lot of times God just refers to them as idols or God in a generic sense, as opposed to referencing them by name. It's generally when they're talking about our God that they default to a name. And the reason I think that this specification is so important, um, it's not just about having conversations. I mean, It is about having conversations and making sure people know who you serve. Um, But it's also about our own knowledge and knowing who we serve and knowing who the people we are around are claiming to serve. You see, I was was at a thing with um, 
a bunch of different congregations from different denominations. And the purpose of this this event I was at, it was a conference on justice. And we we're talking about how to do justice together and all of these things. And one of the pastors there said something to me that really bothered me. Um, he was praising the prayer of another pastor and talking about how generic it was, essentially. He didn't say the word generic, but um, basically the word, I think he used the word ecumenical, which, yeah, we're going to get into ecumenism this season too. Um, but it's generally, it means that it's not, it's not identifying. So anybody can relate to the prayer. So, uh, you know, it, it didn't really matter what your doctrinal beliefs were you could come and think that the God that was being prayed to was your God. So this is typically what you see at public settings where people don't say like in Jesus's name, because that identifies it as a Christian prayer and a prayer to the Christian God or to Yahweh. People would just say, you know, most holy God, blah, 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 blah. Amen. And you could be praying to any God in the world. Like it doesn't matter. And especially, you know, I mentioned a delineation of a capital G and a lowercase g. When we talk, no one knows whether we have a capital G or a lowercase g. And I was, you know, dumbstruck by the fact that a pastor, a Christian pastor, was telling me that he liked a prayer that was super generic where you couldn't tell which God was being prayed to. It's important, like, if I meet you, whether you believe in my God or not is immaterial. Um, I think that it is important for everybody to have the right to worship whoever they want to or no one. Um, that is an important right, the separation of church and state. And if you get into prophecy, you would understand more about that. We might talk about some of that this season but it's very, very important to maintain that right for other people. Whether I believe in them or not, I want other people to have the right to worship the God that they want to worship, the way they want to worship him or her or whatever, because I want that same right for me. Um, as a believer in Christ, I don't want you to tell me that I can't worship God the way that the Holy Spirit is leading me to worship God. And so I respect that. But at the same time, the truth is, I do believe in the God of the Bible. And I do believe that these other gods are false gods. I don't believe in them. And while I respect other people's rights to believe in them, if I'm praying for you or if I'm praying over a situation and God chooses to move in that situation. So for instance, you're say you're sick and I'm praying over you and I'm praying for healing. I want you to know that I prayed to the God of the Bible, that I prayed to the Most High God, that I prayed to Yahweh, and that's who healed you. I don't want you to walk away thinking that I prayed to just some generic God or some unknown God or to your God that I don't believe in and that's who healed you. I'm not trying to give that credit to some other God, if that makes sense. So that's one reason why I think it is extremely important for us to be precise about who we're talking to, who we're praying to. But also, there is the issue of deception. So in the New Testament, there are so many verses that talk about false doctrine, false teachers, false Christs, false prophets. 
Um, I wrote a list of them. I don't think I'm going to read them out loud. I'll put them in the show notes so that you can go back and check them and read them for yourself. But just an example, you have 1 Timothy chapter 4, you have 2 Peter chapter 2, Matthew chapter 7 verse 15, Acts chapter 13 verses 6 through 12, um, Colossians chapter 2 verse 18, uh, Revelation chapters 16 and 19, There's so many more. These are just kind of ones that I just picked out and wrote down. Um, In most of these, they're talking about false prophets, false worship. And when you look at prophecy, when you look at what the Bible is trying to tell us and warn us about in the latter days, or even what Christ is telling us about false prophecy and false doctrine, We typically think that it will be really obvious, but the Bible tells us that the deception will fool even the elite and even the elect. And you have to study to be um, worthy or to, to be able to recognize these things. And it's interesting because I've found that our media and our, our books and everything that we consume from infancy kinds of turns us away from being able to recognize this concept because we grow up in a world where everything is hardcore black and white, right? We've all seen the movies, the villain is black and the good person is white. That's a whole nother topic too. But it's very obvious who the villain is in most stories. It's very obvious. Some in modern, you know, modern movies are trying to mix it up some and Um, but there's, if you go back to your childhood, like it's really obvious who the bad person is and they'll even say things like, I remember watching, uh, Sleeping Beauty when I was young and I think Maleficent, whose name is Maleficent, like she says something like she calls upon the powers of darkness or, or something like that. And it's like, it's really obvious that she is on the side of evil, that she's like, a demon or something it's really really obvious it's not hidden at all but that's not really how the bible describes the war between good and evil on our planet satan who is the mastermind on the evil side against god and the antichrist that is talking about people think of them as just being completely opposite of god just complete mayhem complete chaos doing any and everything, um, telling you to go out and murder, telling you to go out and rape people and do all of these evil things. And while they probably are okay with you doing those things because it's something that's against God, that's not actually how Satan is described. So Satan is a fallen angel. He was the most beautiful angel. So this concept of evil being ugly and grotesque is uh, very misleading because it's not. That's not what it looks like. Um, But also his major crime was that he wanted to be like God. He wanted to be in the place of God. And if you look at the word antichrist in its Greek form, which is what was originally written in the Bible, um, anti actually means over against, opposite, instead of, or in place of. Satan's whole agenda is not just to be different or to have you do the opposite of what God wants you to do. He wants you to worship him in place of God, in place of the most high God, 
Sorry, guys. I'm trying to work on precision of language myself. Um, so he wants you to consider him a God instead of considering the Most High as a God. And the way that Satan has wiggled his way into the church, yes, the church, is astounding. Um, and you have a lot of people, you have a lot of false pastors, a lot of false teachers that are saying the words God, they're saying the word Jesus. But if you look at the doctrine they're teaching, it doesn't match the word of the Bible. And I think this is also a extreme reason why we should be precise about the words that we're using. Because it is the door has been opened that anybody can say the word God and we're assuming that they mean our God. And so when you listen, for instance, to Christian songs and you hear people worshiping a God, it doesn't necessarily mean they're worshiping your God. And I know that's a touchy subject and there's so much more that we don't have time to get into in this specific episode, but I just want people to be aware of how ambiguous the word God is and to you know, think about the attributes that are going along with the word that's being used because that's really the only clue that we have as to whom that person is saying that they're worshiping or whom we're saying we're worshiping. So, you know, one of my goals for this year and, you know, for life is to be more precise when I'm speaking of the Most High God, when I'm talking about Yahweh and making sure people know who I am talking about, who it is that I've chosen to worship. Just like Joshua, I want people to read those words or hear those words and know exactly who it is that I'm declaring allegiance to. And I think that as we go through this season, this kind of idea will be woven through a lot of the topics that we talk about. We're still going to talk about specific, um, you know, Bible verses, Bible people, and um, a lot of, you know, just general application to life, just like last season. But the overall theme of this season will be this idea of precision of language and letting the world know who it is that we serve and who it is that we're worshiping and being mindful of who other people are telling us they serve so that we don't get deceived or confused about whom it is that we're actually supposed to be serving. So that is my um, first episode of the season. I hope that you will come back to hear more. And of course, um, if you have questions or specific things about this topic that you want to hear, you can leave me a message in Instagram. You can leave me a message on the blog, www.psalmstogod.com. And I will try to address it on the show and try to get to it. So thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a blessed week. See you next time. Bye.